morning to those of you in person. Good morning to those of you online. So excited to be with you guys to open up the Word of God together and continue this series called Kingdom or Bust. We're talking about having the same mind of Christ. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about having the same attitude of Christ. Scripture encourages us that the same mind that was in Christ should be in us also. And I think it definitely could be argued that of all the people who walked the face of the planet, Jesus had this kingdom or bust mentality more than anyone. Today, we're in week two of this series, and we're going to continue to talk about what exactly is the kingdom of God, and what does it mean for us? The whole series is kind of founded on the scripture that we see in Matthew 6, It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We're modernizing that phrase, seek first the kingdom of God, and saying we need to have a kingdom or God or kingdom or bust mentality. Means I'm going to seek the kingdom of God before all things. I'm going to promote the kingdom of God above all things. Kingdom robust mentality is saying if I'm going to do anything with my life, I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God. Whatever it takes, I'm going to seek it first. Whatever it takes, I'm going to promote it with every part of my life. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about how the first message that Jesus preached was about the kingdom of God. We see that in Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent or turn the other direction, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or other translations say, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So all throughout the Bible, we see the kingdom of God and we see the kingdom of heaven, those phrases being used interchangeably. And last week, Pastor Eric encouraged us to seek First, Jesus, because Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. And if we're seeking first Jesus, then we're seeking first his kingdom. And that's absolutely true. I think if we were to define that phrase, the kingdom of God, or that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, the definition would be God's dominion, everything under God's rule, everything that God rules over. And I think it's important this morning for us to realize that the kingdom of God is a real kingdom. It's more real. You know, Scripture says that those things that are unseen are more real than the things that are seen. And so we know, we experience earthly governments and earthly kingdoms. We're very aware of the kingdom of America that we're under and the government systems and the ways that this kingdom of America impacts our daily life. It's it's part of our daily life. It's part of our daily language. We have things that are, you know, our money is printed by that kingdom. We have tangible things that represent that kingdom. And I think this morning so much that God wants us to realize that his kingdom is so much more real than the kingdom that we interact with here on earth in a tangible way. So if we're going to have a kingdom robust mentality, I just want to share a couple of things to kind of help frame what is the kingdom of God exactly. And then we're going to take for the rest of this morning, we're going to take a look at a bunch of parables that Jesus taught on what the kingdom of God is like. But just to help define what is the kingdom of God? Well, we know that Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. And we know that when Jesus arrived at earth, like we just read, he said the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is at hand. It was because the king of the kingdom had arrived on earth. 
We see throughout scripture that the kingdom of God is within us and the kingdom of God is at hand, but yet it's also still coming because we pray your kingdom come. The kingdom of God is an unseen kingdom right now. But one day, you know, we pray, God, your will be done, your kingdom come. And when we pray that, we're praying um, that God's culture, the culture of the kingdom would come to earth. We're praying that... um, that the the lifestyle of the kingdom would come to earth, but we are also very literally praying that God's physical, tangible kingdom would come to earth. We know at the end of the age that Jesus will actually be the king of the planet earth, that the kingdom of heaven will actually be a tangible kingdom that we will interact with at the end of the age. The culture of the kingdom of God, and in, in, in the culture of the kingdom of God, it's an awareness that God is supreme authority over everything. The culture of the kingdom of God, Eric talked about this a little bit last week, is love and joy and peace and patience and humility and righteousness. As believers, as born-again believers, we are members of the kingdom of God. Scripture talks about that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of the kingdom of God on earth <clears throat> the church <clears throat> is god is is the vehicle that god has chosen to move forward his kingdom on earth the bible talks about how jesus is the chief shepherd jesus is the head of the church and he has set it up for the church to be his earthly headquarters for his kingdom He's delegated authority to under shepherds or pastors to oversee and help move his kingdom forward. And we're all a part of that. God's dominion, his rule, kingdom of God, the the group of people, the lifestyle that recognizes God's authority over all. There's so much that we could learn about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's such a vast, big topic. And in many ways, even after we talked about those things, It's still hard to really grasp and define because it's so unseen, right? And Jesus even said, yes, it is a mystery, but it's a mystery that he wants us and that we are to know about. We see that in Matthew 13, 11. He answered them and said, because it has has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. God so very much wants us to be aware, to be in the know on what the kingdom of God is and our role within it. God very much wants us to have a kingdom mentality, a kingdom perspective. It was the main theme of Jesus' preaching on earth. You see it all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but especially in the book of Matthew. Like almost every other verse is talk, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And in all of the gospels, he shares parables or stories about the kingdom of God, and in Matthew especially. And so the, for the rest of this morning, we're just going to take these parables and let Jesus teach us about what the kingdom of God is like. Go ahead and throw up that slide. There's more than 10, but these are the the major 10 parables or stories that Jesus talks about that we're going to kind of dissect this morning. You can see some images on there. He likens the kingdom to a seed and to to yeast and to a treasure and to a wedding and all of these things we're going to talk about in great detail. 
let's, let's, um, let's open up in a word of prayer and then we'll continue. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that as believers, we're a part of your kingdom. Lord, we want to have a kingdom robust mentality. We want to have a perspective on the kingdom that, that you have. And so, Lord, we ask that you open up our eyes on this topic. Lord, help us to lean in and grow in our um, reaction and our responsibility within the kingdom. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this, this was really fun to study for this, this week because I just said, all right, God, whatever these parables say about your kingdom, that's what I'm going to preach. And so just read through all of the parables and pulled out three really blatant themes that I saw. <clears throat> the first one is this. The kingdom of God is like a small thing that has a big impact. Go ahead and show that slide. The kingdom of God is like a small thing that has a big impact. Three of the 10 parables that Jesus, or stories that Jesus taught in the kingdom of God refer to this really small thing that has a big impact. Jesus, through these parables, is emphasizing that at first, the kingdom of God might appear really small, really insignificant, really ambiguous. You know, we have so many big and loud things in our life. All of us this morning have big and loud bills that are screaming at us. All of us this morning have big and loud to-do lists that are screaming at us. All of us have big and loud responsibilities that we're trying to steward well and relationships that we're trying to navigate well and news headlines and and, uh, social media feeds that we're trying to process this morning. And God says, yeah, the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's like a whisper. It's not demanding your attention. And maybe even you entering this series or sitting here this morning, you're like, okay, the series is about kingdom of God. This is so vague and ambiguous, and there's so many other felt needs that I have in my life right now. Kingdom of God, yeah, I know it's important, but it just doesn't seem super important or big in my life right now. Let's take a look at these scriptures where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God this way. In Matthew 13, 31, another parable he, Jesus, put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. The scripture goes on to say that the mustard seed is the smallest seed of them all, but yet it grew to be the greatest herb, and that the birds of the air and the animals lived and housed in its branches. And so Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like a really small thing, the smallest of all the things, smallest of all the seeds, but yet it grows to be the biggest thing and it becomes a home for living creatures. Then it goes on. I'm not going to show you the whole, the whole scriptures of all these, otherwise it's too much. I'm going to show you the beginning part of all these scriptures and then paraphrase the rest. Then he goes on to say in Matthew 13, 24, he uses another seed example. And he says, another parable he put forth and saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed a good seed in his field. And the parable goes on to say that he planted this good seed in it and it grew to be a great harvest. But then the enemy, there was this enemy that planted these weeds or these terries, and and all of a sudden this good seed and these weeds were growing up at the same time, and the man said, oh, let's just let them grow together, and then at the end of the age, they will be separated. Then in Matthew 13, 33, Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven or like yeast, 
which a woman took and hid in three measures in a meal until it was all leavened, a little leaven or a little yeast that raised the whole loaf. So Jesus, this is how Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God in three different times. He's using different ways to say, hey, it's something really small. It's the smallest seed that grows into the biggest herb. It's a really good small seed that grows into a huge harvest. It's the tiniest ingredient of the whole thing, but it transforms the whole loaf. All three of these things are small, unimpressive, unassuming. They don't demand our attention. They don't fill a room, but these three things are also laden with potential. They transform things. They... um. <clears throat> The, the result of them is much larger and bigger than all the rest. It starts as the smallest and it ends as the biggest. And all three of these things transform over time. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God might, not see, might seem small and insignificant at start, but in reality, the kingdom of God is the biggest thing. Valuing the kingdom of God in our life can seem like the smallest, least impactful thing that we can do in our day. But God's saying the results are the biggest. When we operate in the kingdom of God, it often feels small, like a prayer that we whisper as we're prompted for our neighbor, like a gift that we give in secret, like a Sunday morning spent in church, like inviting your friend to join your crew, like embracing the minial everyday moments with a small child and teaching them about Jesus, like lovingly calling a friend to purity during conversation. This morning, Jesus is saying, I know your to-do list is continuing to grow. I know your responsibilities are continuing to expand. I know life is really full and there's lots of messages and there's lots of things on your newsfeed this morning. And here comes my kingdom as a whisper, as a gentle prompting. And it seems insignificant, but it's the most important thing. I think these parables are also teaching us that this kingdom is invisible. We're serving this invisible kingdom, and it seems like we're not seeing tangible results of how we invest our time, talent, or treasure into this kingdom. But I think Jesus is saying, hey, one day this invisible kingdom is going to be the only physical kingdom that you're a part of. And there actually, we see in Scripture, there actually are rewards and crowns given, and there are actually are responses and good consequences and bad consequences for how we respond to the kingdom. And he's saying, it doesn't look like much right now. It looks like this tiny little seed, but one day you'll see that the kingdom of God is everything. Amen. Number two, what else can we learn from some of these parables? The second thing that was really, um, what do you call it, big, it's a really bad word to describe, really prominent, is that the kingdom of God is like a priceless thing that calls for no-brainer full commitment. Two other ways that Jesus describes the kingdom of God is as a treasure and as a great priceless pearl. <clears throat> Let's take a look at these scriptures. Matthew 13, 44, it says, again, the kingdom, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. He says something similar in Matthew 13, 
45, he could have just said it once, but he said it twice in, a, in different ways. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant ship seeking beautiful pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is the greatest value. It's priceless. And it's this priceless thing that demands this no-brainer, all-in, full-commitment response. And we see this pattern all throughout Scripture. We see Abraham, who was called into the kingdom, and like no-brainer, he left everything and left his family, left his land, left his possessions, and went out to follow this unseen God in this unseen kingdom. We see the disciples, Jesus comes and, and they sense the call of the kingdom and they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. They left their occupations, everything they knew, everything they loved to follow this kingdom, to follow this king. We see the apostle Paul was employed to kill Christians and he meets Jesus and he's invited into the kingdom and he leaves what he was doing. He reprioritizes his life and gets on Jesus's team. Then you see all throughout the New Testament, as people hear the gospel, they totally flip their life upside down and reprioritize everything. I love the story of Lydia, who was a successful businesswoman in the New Testament, and she hears the gospel for the first time, and everything in her life is reprioritized. Now her home becomes the gathering place for the church at that time because they didn't have buildings to meet in. Her home becomes like a hotel for the disciples as they're trans, you know, um, traveling from town to town. She met Jesus. She felt a call to the kingdom and everything changed. And you see that over and over throughout the New Testament where people are introduced to the kingdom of God. They have a real experience with Jesus and it changes everything. They sell everything and buy the field, right? Matthew 10, 38 through 39 says it this way. <clears throat> And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. This aspect of the kingdom of God where it's a faith adventure, but there's also a sacrifice involved and, and it, lots of faith is needed to follow after Jesus full-heartedly. I think Jesus this morning, as he's teaching us about the kingdom of God, he's saying it is the most valuable thing. Although it's small, although it's hidden, it's the most valuable thing. And when you really understand what it is, it will change everything. Your priorities will change. What you're doing will change. It is an all-in response to this kingdom. We'll talk more about that next week, too. Then last, number three, we're going to spend the most time on this one because there's the most scriptures on this one. The kingdom of God is like a group of people who have been invited and then are held accountable for what they do. Can I just tell you, when I was studying, I was taken back by how strong of a theme this one was as Jesus was teaching on the kingdom. It's not as fun to teach <laughs> because it's strong language. It's fun to be like, oh, it's a small thing that gets big. Wow! And it's this treasure that you get to have. Ah! But it's this invite, and there is legit accountability to how we respond to it. 
The other ones, there were two or three scriptures talking about it. This one, out of the 10 parables in Matthew, five of them had this theme strongly. Let's take a look at them, and then we'll talk about them. Matthew 21, 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his field. So Jesus, again, is trying to get us to wrap our brain around what is the kingdom of God and what is our response. And Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom of God is like this landowner who went out early to hire. He gave an invitation for people to be hired to work in his, in his field. And he goes to the first group of people early, early in the morning and says, hey, I'd love for you to work in my field, and this is what I'd pay you if you worked all day. And they said, awesome, we're, we're all for it. But then he continued throughout the rest of the day, asking more and more people to work in his field, to pay them the same amount as the people that were there since the beginning. At the end of the day, the man who owned the land comes back, and he says, awesome, good job working. Now I'd like to have the people who started working last come to get paid first. Like the people that have been here for an hour, go ahead and call them up. I'm going to pay them what I told them I would pay them, which is the same that the people that have been working here all day are going to get paid. The first shall be last and the last should be first. So these people that got <clears throat> invited last and, and worked the least amount, man, they're experiencing radical grace and mercy and generosity. And some of these early people are like, what the? I've been working all day and I'm getting paid the same amount as them. The grace and the mercy of our Lord, right? So you see this theme of this invitation to work in a field and then at the end, there's rewards and accountability for the work that was done. And you also see this theme of abundant grace and mercy. Then you see Matthew 22, 2 through 3. It says, the kingdom, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a king who arranged a marriage for his son, and he sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So here we have a king, and he has a son who's getting married, and he sends out his servants, and he has a certain invite list. They go to those people, and some of those people said, oh, cool, and they walked away and went back to what they were doing. They made light of the invitation. Then other people that were initially invited, like, literally killed the servants and did away with them. So word got back to the king, and the king brought judgment on these people that killed his servants, and then he sent out other servants and said, forget about it. Just go out and invite everybody. I don't care if they're good. I don't care if they're bad. Just go and invite everyone to my son's wedding. So the king comes to the wedding, and it's a big celebration. There's lots of people there, but he notices one man in particular that is not wearing wedding garments. And he says to this man, Cast this man out. He's not wearing the proper garments. Throw him into darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So again, we see this theme of this big, broad invite. Invite everybody. But then we see that there's some kind of requirement to be at the party. That we should have on the garment of salvation. We see at the end there is severe accountability for being prepared and wearing the garment of salvation. These are things Jesus said, not me. Matthew 25, 1 through 2, Jesus explains the kingdom of God this way. 
He said, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. So we see, we assume some kind of general invite. They all knew to come and meet the bridegroom. But five of them were wise and the five that were wise had enough oil for a long time. The foolish ones did not come prepared. They didn't have enough oil. And so they were waiting a long time. You can also see the theme of time. Almost all of these parables, there was a moment of discovery and then a long time and then some kind of day of reckoning. <clears throat> so the bridegroom comes, of course, at the moment when the five wise, still wise virgins still have the oil, but the five foolish ran out. And so scripture says the bridegroom received the five wise ones and shut the door on the foolish, unprepared ones. This is strong language. Are you guys catching me on this? <clears throat> then again, a parable in a similar way of an invitation and then accountability. Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a faraway country who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to their own ability. And then he went on his journey. Lots of these parables of something was given, the leader goes away, and then the leader comes back, right? So this one, he gave his servants talents, or resources, or gifts. And the two people that had the five and the two talents, they invested their talents into the kingdom, per se. They multiplied it. And so when the, the leader came back and he saw how, he had, how they had stewarded well what was given to them and multiplied well what was given to them, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will entrust you with much. There was accountability and rewards. But then there was the one that had the one talent that didn't do anything with it, didn't invest it, didn't multiply, didn't even put it in a savings account to gain interest, did nothing with it. And the leader came back and called this one wicked and lazy and said, you should have done something with what I gave you. You should have done something with the responsibility, with the resources I gave you. But because you did not, I'm going to take what I gave to you and I'm going to give it to the one that was faithful with what I had given to them. And again, the same language of casting out into the darkness and the weeping of gnashing of teeth, this separation, this, this day of accountability. Two more, you guys hanging in there? This is Jesus talking, not me. Matthew 13, 47 through 48. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet, a big net that was cast into the sea and gathered in some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and they gathered the good into vessels, but they threw away the bad. Again, this illustration, this wide net, this big invite for all. But then at the end, there's a separating of the good fish and the bad fish. I don't think the, the theme could be any more clear. And I didn't go into this message planning to have it be about this. I just said, God, whatever you talk about, Jesus, whatever your parables about the kingdom of God are, I'm going to teach those. This is how Jesus defines the kingdom of God. And then we'll, we'll end with Matthew 13. We talked about this one at the beginning, but we'll close with this one. Yeah, worship team, worship team, if you guys don't mind, come on up at this point. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his, in his field. So Jesus, many times, he'll explain a parable in uh, imagery like this. And then sometimes we can see later on in scripture, he clearly defines what the parable means. He did this with this one. Later on, I don't have it for the screens, but later on, a couple verses later in Matthew 13, 36 through 43, Jesus explains exactly what this parable means. And he said, the man who sowed the seed is Jesus. And he said, the field is the earth. And the good seed, you know what the good seed was? Us. He said, the good seed, I have this one for the, script, for the slide, I think. <clears throat> um, Matthew 13, 37, it said, and he who sows the seed is the son of man, which is Jesus. And the field is the world. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's us, that's believers. Jesus sows us into the world. But the tares or the weeds are the ones that the enemy, they're the sons of the wicked one that the enemy plants in the world also. I had never seen this scripture this way. Oftentimes this, uh, the word of God is referred to as a seed. In this scripture, the seed is referring to us Ambassadors for Christ on earth with responsibility to build his kingdom on earth. We're the good seed. We're the good seed that God wants to see a harvest. We're the good seed that God's saying, I've given you talents. I've given you time. I've given you opportunity. The kingdom of God is the biggest thing. Can you just catch a glimpse? It's the biggest thing and you're the good seed and I'm a good father. And I'm just carry this responsibility you know the the wedding parable it says the people invited to the wedding made light of the invite i think a lot of times we can make light of the invite oh yeah kingdom of god i know i should probably be prioritizing that but i got a lot of stuff going on he's saying don't make light of this invitation you are Jesus is the hope of the world. We are light on the hill. We are his representatives. We are ambassadors for his kingdom. And Jesus is saying, I have planted you in the world. He has, he has given us free will to respond to him. <clears throat> and he has entrusted his kingdom in us. He trusts us a lot more than we trust ourselves. I think, sometimes. So we have been given talents and treasures and opportunities to build the kingdom of God. Jesus is all of these last five scriptures. All of these last five scriptures are giving reference to the fact that Jesus is coming back and there will be a day of accountability where we will stand before the Lord and have to give account of how we used our time, talent, treasure, our life to build his kingdom. And there will be rewards and there will be consequences. This is heavy stuff. So the kingdom of God first appears really strong, small, but it's actually the biggest thing. The kingdom of God is this small thing that is a great treasure that beckons us to sell everything and invest our whole life into. The kingdom of God also is a great broad invitation that also comes with accountability. A message like today deserves some good response time. I don't know how long you've been a believer. I don't know if you are a believer this morning. 
You know, we're pastors, our whole life call is to build the kingdom of God, and we can still grow in this too. So we're going to go into this next song called He Reigns. And during this time of response, in a moment, I'd love for us all to stand and just declare, Jesus, you are Lord over all, and you reign over all, and God, are you reigning over my life? How am I responding to the kingdom of God? Where can I be even more all in? How can I have an even greater kingdom or bust mentality? Let's worship together, and then I'll come up and close us out in prayer. Would you guys stand? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.